She launched Tara Intelligence back in 2015, hustled for two years just to teach the system, right, how to get accurate scoping out using open source uh, repositories, really. After trained, it got the first paying customer in 2017 or around that time frame. Now 65 customers paying on average 1200 bucks a month. They're up to about 80 grand per month in revenue. That's up from 20 grand a month in revenue just 16 months ago. So healthy growth. That's part of what enabled them to just close 3 million bucks in funding. They have 8% monthly logo churn, so kind of high, but they're working on driving that down, spending about 20 grand to acquire a $120,000 ACV customer, healthy economics with their team of 12. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Iba Masood. She is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Tara Intelligence. She's a YC alum and has been part of y Combinator, y Combinator's winter 2015 class. She was recently awarded Forbes 30 Under 30 for the 2018 list under the field of enterprise technology. In August 2017, Iba became a per- permanent resident of the United States through the EB1A Award, which presents individuals of outstanding ability with the green card. Iba, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, I am. Oh my Thank God. you I'm for so, having me. I'm so curious about so many things, ranging from the green card <laughs> to the company to everything. But let's focus on the company. Tell us what you do and, and how do you make money? So um, my co-founder, Sayed, and I, we started Tara Intelligence um, to essentially help uh, founders, product managers uh, improve the product development process. Um, and so Tara uses artificial intelligence to essentially map out uh, product milestones. Um, and it also assigns contractors that are freelance developers to actually execute on these milestones. Um, and, and, you know, one of the reasons why we started the company was because we personally had, you know, we saw a lot of issues with the product management process as it was. And, uh, and we personally felt that uh, you could essentially apply AI to this field specifically by scraping projects off the open web. So my co-founder is a roboticist. Um, I'm a financial analyst, and and we kind of came together because we met freshman year of college. But yeah, yeah but there is no bigger pain point than the product manager with the scope documents from design, trying to communicate the scope clearly, efficiently, and effectively to the development team, understanding what goes in the next two weeks sprint, and then seeing if it actually gets delivered, and then applying you know you know multipliers per developer because you know this one it's actually one and a half times what they say, and this one it's actually they're way faster than what they say. How yeah. do you? I mean. I could never figure that out manually with a human. How do you figure it out with artificial intelligence? So it actually took us about two and a half years um, to just figure out our data structure. So, um, so say it because he's a roboticist. He built a team of um, there were the, you know mechanical engineers, machine learning engineers, and as a team, what we did was we figured out that we could actually scrape the open web, um, essentially open source platforms that already have existing code and existing software projects. So we used uh, roughly about our early data set included about 5,000 software projects. And we use that to train our system to understand that, okay, with an iOS app, 
if the iOS app requires a two-sided marketplace. Here are the typical milestones, tasks, and this is the typical timeline. So it took us a while to actually like get data that was clean and then you know to figure out how to scrub that data and build out the platform. But what we did during that time was as we were building out the um, the overall neural network, we were doing a lot of things manually um, at the beginning. So we actually brought um, product managers on board on our team. We had about 10 to 15 contractors early on that were actually, you know, running the scoping process. And we were comparing results between uh, what, what the AI could do versus what um, uh, what human product managers um, were uh, mapping out. And what we found was that there was a, about 70% of, um, of an actual product manager's time was really going into the scoping process and yep. understanding and figuring out like how, um, how the work should be divided. Uh, week by week, and we realized that a lot of a lot of this work could be automated by learning from what had been done in the past, and um, and specifically by looking at open source projects because we, ha- as a company, we have this hypothesis that open source projects are one of the most efficiently run uh, projects as a whole because typically when people are pursuing side projects, they um, they have a timeline and they need to get things done quickly, but they like to also pursue shortcuts, um, shortcuts that are actually efficient in nature that can use some level of open source code to get uh, to, to get to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these these kind of um, hypotheses really formed our um, the our early product. And uh, and so what we were surprised by was that initially we thought. Eba, this real was, quick, before you tell me surprises. Yeah. So what's your pricing model today? Is it a pure SaaS platform or is it a marketplace charge? It's both. So what okay. we do is we have the licensing model. Uh, so large enterprises, they typically come in and they have um, annual contracts and that's licensing for the scoping software. And can, we, as can, well can as you give me general, I mean, are we talking like a hundred grand, a million, 10 grand annual, like average would you say is what per year? So we're looking at about 120K um, annual. Okay. And then um, on top of that, there's also marketplace charges. So one of the things we're introducing over time are API connections, API integrations to actually help make the project or the software development process uh, more efficient. Yep. Yeah. So, so like when I think of like the closest thing to you that I have personally used, I think of TopTal, which is just hiring developers. I still have to mm-hmm. manage scope and everything. I don't think they have AI on the back end. So how do you, how do you manage to convince convince top tier development plat- talent to work through your platform versus top tal or versus going in-house at a company? Yeah. So, you know, what we found, so I actually personally was a freelancer on these platforms, uh, me and say it, both of us. So what we did was um, we, we were, we were freelancers on those platforms for about two years or so, um, 1.5 to two years. We found that the average developer was being paid about $200 on the leading freelance marketplaces like Upwork. And they had to, uh, $200 for a, a small widget project. Okay. And so they would need to take at least 10 to 18 of those projects in a month so that they could make like a sizable income. And we're like, okay, what if you could make that sizable income with just one project that was typically with like a larger enterprise and had higher payouts. So that was like our pitch to developers when we were building out the marketplace very early on. And then the other part of it was also equal pay. So one of the things we really believe in as a company is we wanted to build a meritocracy where Folks that didn't have, um, you know, a computer science degree from an Ivy League university could join Tara, uh, but on the basis, purely on the basis of their code. So okay. we would actually look at their existing GitHub and other platforms to give them a score. Um, I, I and so they were, that's great. There's nobody else doing that. Give me, give me more of the backstory. What year did you launch in? So uh, we launched uh, in 2015. Okay. Um, and this was like in the U.S. Uh, we were initially called Gradberry. 
And we were primarily like focusing on full-time uh, software positions. Mm-hmm. And we found that there was like a much bigger market in terms of on the contracting side. Plus, we found that companies were more willing to allow AI to make the recruiting decision when it was um, primarily for freelance positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so even with full-time, they were still not willing to like allow an algorithm to recruit developers specifically that were, you know, that that was meritocratic in nature. And what have you scaled to today in terms of total companies using the platform? Really not companies, they're really enterprises. How many enterprises using the platform? So enterprises, we have about 10. A total companies, we have about 65. Okay, 65. Got it. Yep. Why do you, the, the ones that are not enterprise, why do you not call them enterprise? Is it just a price point thing or it's the nature of how they use you? nature of how they use us. So, you know, they don't need like, you know, enterprise level security. Um, and they're typically, we classify them as mid-market. Um, and, uh, and you know, with mid-market, we've seen that the need is, is primarily, and, and, you know, some of these are like sporting goods companies. Some of these are, they're not your typical technology companies or IT companies, but they need to innovate and iterate on, uh, on their existing products. So for example, like a sporting goods company wants to make um, jersey designers, like online uh, yep. online jersey designers, you know, so, so we're seeing that the need is, um, uh, is, is pretty prevalent, not only in tech companies, but also in companies that are kind of like, you know, wanting to innovate. So do those guys um, come in under, they can get started with you for under the 120k. Are you still, that's really your floor is 120. The floor is typically 120. Okay. But what we've seen is we do bring in like mid-market companies for six month uh, projects as well. Okay. So we've had like projects come in for about three to six months where they're typically like starting off with a pilot in some cases. And then once the pilot works out, then they kind of scale up to an annual contract. So I want to talk more about that in terms of churn because typically projects like they're not, sometimes they're not always going I'll talk about that in a second. But first, I'm curious about the breakdown. So if you look at your past 12 months, would you, what percent of your revenue would you say is from placing the talent versus the annual fees that are pure SaaS? That's that's a great question. So about 60% of our revenue comes from placing the talent and about 40% is coming from the software. We do think that, you know, those metrics may change over time. But I think what's more exciting is now, when we first started with Enterprise, we were kind of going on a one-off project basis. And what was happening was, so for example, with like the likes of Cisco, um, we were doing multiple projects um, within like one enterprise, but it was with different teams. Mm-hmm. So what we're excited to do now is um, get into multiple teams from the get go. Um, yep. And the way we're doing that is we're, we're essentially like doing these pilots where we're able to prove out the, the value um, with like an initial five figure deal. And then from that move into a six figure deal when, you know, they have the confidence to really like scale it up. And so that's what we're pursuing, like uh, specifically this quarter and next quarter. Folks, very recently, I had Eugene Levin on who leads a lot of strategy at SEM Rush, and the episode is doing so well. I said, Eugene, make me a great offer and maybe I'll consider letting you guys sponsor the show. So Eugene gave me a great offer and they're now sponsoring the show around their brand new product called SEM Rush Competitive Intelligence 2.0. Now, many of you guys know SEMrush from their old tool, which is still top of the line with SEO research. Their new intelligence tool allows you to go into all areas of competitors' online marketing strategies and tactics. You can research it all, ranging from online visibility, their website performance, traffic sources, what content they're posting, which PR firms they're working with, how they're doing and what they're doing on social media, which PPC ads they're running, same with display advertising, you know, what do their display ads look like, even their 
our Google Shopping data. That's what you get with the new SEMrush tool. They've got data on 190 countries and regions, and they have petabytes of reliable data all on your competitors, potential partners, and markets. They're also the trusted data provider for the leading media brands like Forbes, Bloomberg, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and Routers. Every Fortune 500 company, including Bay, Vodafone, and HP. Now, they've got over 30,000 customers already and 10 years of experience. I encourage you to check out their brand new intelligence tool using the deal Eugene gave me. That deal is available exclusively at nathanlacka.com forward slash SEMrush. Again, that's nathanlacka.com forward slash SEMrush. Eva, can I take the 65 folks at... 120 grand ish per year and assume you guys are doing north of 650 grand per month just on the SaaS side of things. Is that, is, are those numbers accurate? No, no because okay. a lot of the customers that are, um, so we do have the 65 customers. A lot of them are on small, like uh, basically on a uh, smaller contracts. So what happened was when we first started as a company, we were like, okay, can we actually, you know, market ourselves as, as a product that's, you know, about 120 K and above, um, as a, you know, and so we really only started doing this this year. So we started pitching our 120 K annual contract model last month. Um, before that, a lot of our customers were on 40 K to 50 K annual contracts. And so now we're really starting to, because the thing is we didn't have the enterprise features, um, back then. And so as we're scaling up and understanding because enterprise, um, issues that they're facing and challenges that they face are very different. Yep. Um, from, you know, the, the mid-market companies that we were typically targeting. So Eva, just to um, add, just to edit that, that math then for a second. So people you're onboarding now <clears throat> are 120 makes perfect sense while you're going up market, but historically at a $40,000 ACV, that comes out to about three grand per month times your 65. That would put you more around the 200 grand per month range on just the SaaS platform and about 270 or 280 on the placement fees on top of that. Is that generally accurate or is it different? So it's a little different just because of the fact that um, about uh, 60% of that is coming from talent placement. So we're Uh, looking at 60% of the 200? Yes, exactly. So about uh, 60% of the 200 is coming from the talent placement model. And the software component, again, is also something we released recently. Uh, So the software component, yeah, exactly. So software component as well as annual contract in terms of going higher ACV, that really only happened because... Um, I mean, if you look at our product in general, we released the first version of our platform last year. Okay. So it was like about about six months ago that we released a version that was, you know, fully functioning that could actually scope out at least about forty percent of your build and could, you know, um, really take you from scoping all the way to performance analytics. So, it's, but it's fair and, to say you just recently, or you're getting ready to pass that two hundred grand per month mark when you combine both revenue streams. Is that accurate? Yes, exactly. So, okay. like, we're over the next six to seven months is really, I think, going to be critical for us. Because one of the things we're realizing is that we're able to get to a higher account value with a lot of the enterprise customers we're talking to, um, specifically, even if they're just coming in on a, about 120K for three to six month pilots. Yep. So we're actually, seeing, we're actually seeing an opportunity to grow beyond the 120K ACV as well. But we essentially need to get our enterprise security features up and yeah, running, no, which are it's another an exciting, It's an exciting time to be in. Um, before we talk more about, again, that plan over the next six, seven months, growth-wise, what are you growing at year over year? Is it... 50%, 100%? Uh, right now, it's about 140%. Oh, wow. So if I go so back 12 months from today, you were doing about 80 grand a month. Uh, no, we were doing way less, actually. How, so about, how little? We were doing about uh, 20K. Holy mackerel. So back in, yeah. at the end of December 2016, you're doing 20 grand a month then. So I mean, you've more than 10X since then. 
that's that's the plan basically because a lot of the a lot of the revenue is coming in on a per project basis and so what the goal is is to essentially add the software component on top of the uh, contractors i understand that but i mean like last month if you look at just last month's revenue you're you you're at around 200 grand right in revenue for the month not yet okay can you share where you're at today just so i get a general sense of growth yeah. So as of this month, we're looking at about 80 K MRR. Okay. And so from, but we're actually going to go from 80 K to about 140 K in the next two months Great. because of the enterprise deals that we're almost about to close. And, but the key component here is we're essentially trying to understand um, how much of the security components and security features we need to have upfront before we start engaging in those enterprise discussions. And I think that's something that like every founder has to kind of 100%. Um, yeah. So just to, just to go back and correct the ARPU for a second at 80 grand a month today at 65 customers, each one's paying about 1200 bucks a month. Is that, that's more yeah, right. But that's moving, moving forward, yeah. you're going up, which I completely get. Now, let me ask you a question. You said you just added the software component. Was that because you were having churn issues on just the placement model? It was too lumpy. It was actually because that was the plan from day one. Mm -hmm. So for us, what we wanted to do was we wanted to build scoping software that was essentially able to take on um, the the specific customers that we were onboarding. And what we found was we needed to close a lot of these per project, like we need to close a lot of these accounts on a per project basis to actually get the software to learn. That Mm -hmm. was that was essentially our goal. So a lot of the scoping, a lot of the, um, a lot of what the software does today was being done manually and we didn't want to charge for it. We were like, you know what, this is something I think we can offer for free Mm -hmm. to our customers. But then as, as customers are now coming in, they're onboarding more projects. So we're seeing an average of about eight to nine projects being onboarded onto the system rather than the one to two. Um, now the goal is to essentially like utilize more of the, uh, more of the machine learning capabilities of the software because it, it takes time. That's the thing, like building, um, Building ML software that actually works takes a lot of time because you really need to figure out your data structures from day one. What do you see yourself being though? Like, I mean, because look, TopTal is hitting you on just the marketplace side. That's all they do. And then there's other companies that just do some of the AI machine learning, that kind of stuff. You're fighting two wars. I mean, is there one you're generally trying to go more towards? I think our goal is to essentially become an end-to-end platform because at the end of the day, what, what, how we look at our company is that we look at the product being at the center and the core of just about everything that the company, that our customers have to do. So if you place the product at the core, then hiring, analytics, um, uh, API integrations, and as well as the talent that's assigned, a lot of that is, is, uh, is a part of the whole product equation. Yep. So because we look at it, um, we look at it from that perspective, we believe that more and more enterprise companies are now going to start organizing their teams based on based on products and as they become more agile their need for software development becomes more extensive how much um, so ha- have you given is, go ahead and so i think what we've seen is that what really differentiates us in terms of within the competitive landscape is the ability to do um not only go not only do the scoping but then also do scoping talent placement as well as the performance analytics in terms of how the developers are performing over time so we do think that we're going to be partnering with other existing marketplaces um, that, you know, where we can pull talent from, but the goal is to provide that end-to-end platform because that's really where we've seen the need so that the PM doesn't need to go. Why to would, to- why would TopTal give you access to their talent though? I don't see well, what's in it for them. At, we're not looking at TopTal. We're more like looking at Upwork. We're looking at platforms that have, um, you know, a, a larger base of contractors specifically, um, as well as, you know, with, with, I don't think TopTal is going to give us access to their talent. What, what we're, 
what we're doing today is that we're offering talent, you know, more opportunities to, um, to make money because we have top talent developers on our platform too. It's not like every developer just joins one platform. They usually join multiple. Well, it but just then, depends and on then their they go deep, And then they go deep on the ones that make them the most money. I, I know top talent's numbers, they're that's significantly true. larger than what you guys are. I, that's what I'm trying to understand is what you have that they don't have is the software component, is the scheduling component, the machine learning, the AI. But what you're telling me is, no, you want to keep doing both. I think the time will really tell because yeah. the main thing is that with the, with the machine learning component, what we've seen is the reason why developers like using Tara is because they don't have to do the scoping part. On TopTal and all these other platforms, you as a developer have to sit down, scope out your milestones and tasks, and answer every question that the client has, specifically on the spec side. With Tara, uh, the entire process is being managed through our platform. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what really excites us, where developers have, can spend more time coding and less time managing scope. Eba, have you given up equity or are you bootstrapped? Yes. So we just raised a 3 million round for our seed. Okay. So, and is that, is that total you've raised or what have you raised in total? Yes. Total. 3 million. Okay. Got it. And walk me back through, so you launched in 2015. What are you at now today in terms of total team size? Uh, so we are at about 12 people today. Okay. And uh, we, we didn't launch in 2015. We started developing the product in 2015 because it takes two to three years just to build out an ML platform. I mean, if when you did look you have at your first paying customer? Our first paying customer came in last year. So what were you, I mean, how were you feeding yourself the first two years? So the first two years, what we were, I mean, so we had just graduated out of YC. Uh, we had raised about 400K post YC. So okay. that was essentially what was keeping us going. How many of your clients are YC, are, they went to the YC program or the, they're part of the YC network? I believe two. Oh, two. Okay. From, not, yeah. a, not a ton. Why aren't more using it? I think that we, we've just been so focused on mid-market and enterprise. I think we, we just haven't really, I think, given, given much thought to like specifically focusing on startups just because enterprise and mid-market are a completely different beast. Well, I mean, I would put Weebly as not a startup. They're doing well north of 24 million in ARR, but they were, I'm talking, I'm not talking about current people in the YC program. I mean, YC network, YC alums. I'm, 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 I think that'd be an easier sale for you because you guys share that common bond. I'm curious why more of them aren't using you. I think it's just because we, we haven't specifically like sat down and looked at how many of the YC customers we can onboard and, and, you know, what's our startup strategy? Because the thing is that with, with our platform, we're really trying to like specifically focus on enterprise. That's yeah, always well, been sorry, our Eva, goal. Just to be clear, one. I'm referencing enterprise companies that went through YC many years ago, like Weebly, which are, is very much oh, an enterprise okay. size company. You so when, when we, when I say enterprise, I'm talking about typically like I publicly traded companies. I see. So we're looking at companies that have, um, thousands of engineers under their belt and they're essentially looking to figure out how to optimize the scoping process. I see. Cause what we've seen that when we talk to startups and smaller, and I mean, you know, if you're, if you're South of a thousand, if you're South of a thousand employees, then you're typically not dealing with the issues that large enterprises facing. Yeah. <clears throat> and we think that we can optimize our platform by specifically focusing on larger publicly traded companies because the system will learn faster. We can get hundreds of thousands of projects from one large enterprise. And once we've actually like conquered that area, we think that we'd be able to specifically focus on startups later down the line. What's your churn, what's your churn today? We're at about uh, 8% churn. Okay. And that's today. monthly logo churn? Yeah. Okay. And then what are you spending to acquire these customers? Uh, we're, we're spending a lot, like customer acquisition costs are pretty high. And I think over time, what we'll be able to do, well, is by the way, you can afford to do that, right? I mean, yeah, you can, you can afford that. So like, are you talking 50 grand, a hundred grand? What do you spend? Uh, so, well, our, our burn as of today is at about 110 K. Okay. Um, so we're still Monthly. pretty low on the burn side. Yeah. Okay. 
But, but just to be clear, sorry, I'm just talking about to, uh, you have 65 customers. Specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Customer acquisition specifically. So for example, if, if one customer um, closes at about um, 120, 120K, then we've probably spent roughly about $20,000 to acquire them. Okay. So well, still, I mean, that's not bad. That's a payback period of like two uh, months, it, three months. Exactly. But again, you know, I think because it's so new in terms of like us launching the software so recently, really time will tell. And I think like our, our costs will go up. Um, from a customer acquisition standpoint. You just raised this capital real quick because we're running out of time. Where's most of the money going to go? What are you going to spend it on? Uh, so primarily on the engineering side, um, specifically because as we're um, as we're expanding with an enterprise, we really feel that we need to bring on the right team um, to build out to build out the software component. All right, Eva, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, I think anything, anything by Nir Eyal. <laughs> he is a good one. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yes, uh, Therese Tucker. I think she's an incredible female CEO who's uh, who's IPO'd her company just by bootstrapping. What's it her company? Uh, Therese Tucker Blackline. Blackline. Oh yeah, she's speaking at the Recurring Revenue Conference coming up here soon in uh, in LA. She's be good. Oh, All right, that's awesome. Yeah, number two. There's a whole story. You know, it's funny there. She. I don't know if you know the story there, but like she lost her husband, divorced her, then husband came back as she was building the company. Was in serious, serious debt. She has an incredible story. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned her and gave her some gave her some spotlight there. Uh, number three. What's your favorite online tool for building your business? Uh, today uh, it changes every day. Today it's Slack. Slack. Okay. Number four. How many hours of sleep do you <laughs> get every night? One. Seven and a half. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Married, actually. Married to my co-founder. Oh my gosh. Amazing. How many kids? No, not. not- <laughs> she says with a dissatisfied <laughs> look on her face. And, and, and do you mind me asking you about how old you are? Uh, I am 28. 28. Okay. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? That, um, you know, graduating with a perfect GPA doesn't matter. <laughs> perfect GPAs don't matter in startup land. There you guys got it from Eba. She launched Tara Intelligence back in 2015, hustled for two years just to teach the system, right? How to get accurate scoping out using open source uh, repositories, really. After trained, it got the first paying customer in 2017 or around that time frame. Now 65 customers paying on average 1200 bucks a month. They're up to about 80 grand per month in revenue. That's up from 20 grand a month in revenue just 16 months ago. So healthy growth, that's part of what enabled them to just close 3 million bucks in funding. They have 8% monthly logo churn, so kind of high, but they're working on driving that down, spending about 20 grand to acquire a $120,000 ACV customer, healthy economics with their team of 12. Eva, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you. Appreciate it.